0: All right. Welcome to Around the Corner. I'm Ben Wager. And with me is my co-host Don Gibson. And today we're looking at some films from 1973. A fine year. Very good films coming in. Um, And we picked a couple of very different films uh, this time around. Uh, We went with a, a gritty... Uh, New York uh, police story, and then uh, we went with a Hong Kong action-based martial arts film. So uh, we're going to open up with Serpico, and then we're going to talk about Enter the Dragon. So we'll start it off with uh, Don, uh, introducing Serpico.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you introduced it very well. Uh, Serpico is definitely a gritty New York film. Some people call it neo-noir. I think these these uh, titles are a little bit uh, broad. So neo-noir is like film noir, and film noir is uh, the really popular genre from post World War II, or actually during World War II, and everything was really dark, and there's lots of um, you know uh, uh, people cheating and stealing and killing, and and it was uh, rarely did you have a happy ending. So they call this neo-noir. Um, Naked City was one of the first uh, New York films that was called neo-noir. It was like from 47 this is a lot later this is uh, from 73 as you said um it's really a cop drama is what it is and it's a story it's a true story of a guy named frank serpico who um was on the force from 60 to 72 and the film was released in 73 so it was highly topical at the time and uh he was a you know a guy that really believed in law and order and doing the right thing and as soon as he gets on the force he is uh, struggling with the fact that basically everyone in every precinct he goes to, he gets transferred many times, is on the take. Everyone gets a bit of money on an envelope, and he just fights that idea. So it's really more—it's really a police corruption film, though people call it neo noir. Um, so the, the film historically is really interesting because it's the first um, combination between Sidney Lumet, the director, and uh, Al Pacino. Uh, Sidney Lumet earlier one of his early films that people. No, and that that this probably gives a better feeling for a film noir that he did uh, was 12 angry men and uh, later on after serpico two years later he did dog day afternoon with him which is a a, a a heist bank heist gone wrong once again based on a true story um and uh and then later on he did like the verdicts and so he was known for kind of crime drama uh, films um and then uh, Al Pacino, this is like when he started to skyrocket. So the year before he did Godfather, the year after he did Godfather two. And the year after that, he did Dog Day and, you know, he did many other films and he was just, his career was, this was one of the films that uh, really um, made his career. Uh, he, this the film was only a budget of like 2 million and um, the film made like 28 million, um, Lots of people, there's a lot of story issues I mean, the film is good. There's lots of, it it, it kind of builds and goes up and down a lot. It's really just this guy fighting against a corrupt system and trying to figure it out and never figuring it out. Um, But uh, the the way we see him, you know, projecting himself, the character development, uh, it's all about Al Pacino. Al Pacino just, you know, blows himself out every scene and he's just so indignant. He did a film a little later called Injustice for All, like late seventies. And this is very much similar thematically about just wanting justice, like do the right thing. I'm a cop, I should take care of people. And the system just is not doing that. And he, we see him in the beginning, you know, clean cut and, and you know, uh, from a you know good Italian family and, you know, from a line of, of a family of police officers. And uh, he doesn't understand why the system right from the beginning is so corrupt. Uh, one of the great things about the film that I really enjoy is the costuming. Uh, so Serpico, if you look at the covers on the on the DVD boxes, we always see, you know, Al Pacino with a beard and long hair. And so they actually shot the fi- the early scenes first because it's all about him him being, you know, short hair and looking like a good clean cop. As this film progresses, you know, uh, chronologically, he just starts wearing the craziest costumes. He just is wearing. He's wearing this crazy hat that's pulled over his head. It's like a clown hat almost, and uh, and he wears these long, sort of like Indian-influenced outfits. And he's got a dog, a big sheepdog. and he he definitely does not look like a police officer.
0: Yeah, you know, I I did notice the costumes got a little, uh, you know, his interpretation, and and probably a lot of it had to do with like you know the hippie, you know, fitting in with the the hippie kids at that time and trying to blend in on the street a little bit easier uh something you did say that I, I i i think i read that they actually shot this in reverse and so they they started the film with him um with the long hair and the beards and then they actually were trimming it down as they as they got to the to the scenes where he's you know clean cut and everything so they actually they actually were you know after before every scene they were actually trimming his hair down trimming his beard down because they were they were you know trying to st- st- uh, stimulate the whole thing in reverse and there's a lot of interesting um information about you know his relationship uh in the film and how hard he did you know because you're saying how authentic it was that he was you know he hung out with serpico um they rented a they rented a house he rented a house in montauk and they actually had him over and kind of got to know him a little bit and you know he really you know and obviously pacino's a method actor just got into the characters, you know, as he does with any of his characters, he got, he got into it a huge amount. And, uh, but one of the interesting things is that, uh, you know, they had decided because he has was creating this character that's based on Serpico, but is not Serpico. They actually wouldn't let Serpico onto the set. They closed the set to him. So he wasn't even able to come. And apparently he was very hurt about that, but they didn't do it because of him. They did it more because they didn't want to be influenced by having his presence in the, in the, in, on the set when they were shooting the scenes. But, um, you know, so obviously they took that, you know, Pacino takes every character all the way to the nth degree. But, you know, he, he definitely, you could sense that he was very much into this character. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that, you know, I felt like Godfather, you know, Michael Corleone kind of bled in a little bit. Like there were some times when I felt like I, you know, some of the ways he was reacting to in some of the scenes, especially with the women in the relationships. I thought, you know, man, this could be my only talking to um, what's her name, Diane Keaton, or whatever. In, in you know, when he's having those fights with his with his girlfriends, and I, you know, so I, I really did, you know, because of his impact in such a short amount of time in so many different films, you know, it, it would be hard not to kind of blend those characters a little bit. I think in regards to some of that energy, because you know, he was playing such power packed characters, just one after the other for. Just basically back-to-back shooting.
2: Yeah, his his interactions with his two. There's a a girlfriend we see right when the film starts, and then there's one that a nurse that this develops further later on. And the first one is just so fascinating. She's she's a beautiful woman that I've never seen in any other film. And uh, you know, he takes her. She takes him to a party, and he she keeps introducing him as a policeman. He's going to these really cool hip New York parties. And then he says to her, stop introducing me as a policeman because they all turn off because he's not hip and et cetera. And then at the end of the scene, this, this this party scene, the girl says, hey, they all love you, Paco. That's his nickname. Yeah, They love you, Paco. And then she's like, you know, really beautiful and dynamic. And he's, you know, just this like cop, really. And then he, but he won't commit to her. And then she says, you know, this is way early in the film. Uh, if you're not going to commit to me, I have another offer from this guy from Texas. And he's like, okay and then we'd never see her again she yeah. takes the offer and she vanishes and, and then he I, moves on to the the nurse yeah and you know the interesting thing is uh i don't know if it was
0: was it the the first woman or the second one of those women had a a connection in the in the in the movie in the filming of the movies they were at the actual girlfriend of the producer in the, or um and in fact i believe the first director and i and i, and I can't tell you if it was her or the Oh, the second actress. Do you know which one it was? No, I don't. Yeah, but one of them, uh the you know, the first director actually got fired from the from the from the film because he refused to cast the act the actress. And then Sydney uh LeMay got the um the directing gig and he kept the actress and and you know I I didn't see that, you know I mean they they I didn't think of them as bad actresses. I just didn't think they you know the second actress I thought she was pretty good. But the first actress, you know, she was definitely beautiful and exotic. But you know, I I don't know if I would have said that she carried you know, a, a huge part in the in the movie. But I don't really felt, you know, I didn't feel like those women were written in as strong. I mean, every every scene that Pacino was in, he was just so dominant in the in the in the in the roles that, you know, the the impact of his presence really, you know, down, downsized the other roles in, in the scenes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I agree entirely, the uh, uh, film, really
2: the film is entirely, the theme is great, you know, police corruption, and that's, this is one of the earlier films, and obviously we've seen that a lot in the last 50, 60 years, Prince of, the, uh, Prince of the City comes to mind with Treat Williams, but there's been many since, but this was sort of like, you know, one of the first of that theme, and the New York feel, so this film was shot, so another thing that people talk about, neo-noir and New York films, is they don't use studios, they use locations, and so this thing was shot in like 100, over 100 locations all over New York City, you know, everywhere, as they say, except for Staten Island. Um, and it was just, and they actually shot it. When they said they shot it in the precinct, they would actually shoot in that neighborhood and they would, you know, show the park and, and, the, and the local tenement housing and everything. So that rawness. And then the film's really about how Al Pacino carries it. If you don't have a really solid actor doing this role, uh, the film is just kind of flounder and it's going to. You know, because it doesn't really have a, a greatly satisfying ending and there is, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, corruption and when you when you won't when you, when you won't take the uh, the bribes like everyone else do the question of course that's held o- over his head is when will they ever protect him and the film is set up it's, you know, traditional bookmarking of we see a present day situation of Serpico being brought into uh, the hospital he's been shot and then we when he's, you know, uh, you know, uh, been doing this for many years and then we go we get we see his full backstory and we get back to the present day and um so the thing is really about corruption and how uh, other police officers and you know he, he takes the story to many you know commanding people he takes it the times he takes it to you know uh you know police officer um um people that run the each individual precinct and of course everyone's like hey we'll do something but in the end they they don't
0: Yeah. You know, I thought that the, um, you know, the story being around that corruption was very believable. I mean, obviously, you know, being, being, having the movie based on his, his story, you know, they really captured that very well. I mean, you could just, just the, the stench of corruption in all the precinct houses and the way these guys operated. And, and it was, it was just, you know, it, you just lost faith in, in the police force at that time. You might, I mean, you just recognize the fact that, man, this is so bad. You know, I mean, they were like, they, they spent more time scheduling their corrupt pickups than actually doing po- real police work and all of their police work seemed to be connected to some kind of, you know, money, you know, grabbing event and, and, you know, and real crime just didn't really seem to be, especially with the plainclothes detectives, you know, it just seemed like that was once you got that plainclothes shield, you were, it was just like a license to rob, you know? Um And so I just, I was really impressed with how believable that was that, you know, and it was probably exactly like that because it was based off his book. And it was, it was good to see that, you know, eventually, you know, his, his work, you know, ended up opening up this committee that over, you know, had oversight over the police. And, and, but I mean, he certainly had no hope of resurrecting his career. And in fact, his life was in danger. He had to move to Switzerland, you know, uh, just to kind of, you know, let the heat kind of bleed off of him over all this stuff. And so, you know, he certainly took one for the team because it was not you know, his, you know, his, essentially his career as a law enforcement officer was over.
2: And of course, that's the irony of the whole thing, because, you know, I'm sure there's many people like Serpico that uh, become police officers because they really believe in the institution, they want to do the right thing. But then when you enter the institution, you're like, okay, you have to do it this way and this way. And then suddenly everything is eroded. And, you know, I mean, today, I would say there's an awful lot of corruption issues. I mean, maybe they're very differently handled, but, you know, the police... Force in the city is still problematic, and all the political issues we've had to deal with—you know—with you know, they hate De Blasio for whatever reasons, and it's—you know—I'm sure he's he's dealing with an issue that's it's in many ways timeless. This is a film that was made fifty years ago, and I'm sure there's many young police officers that enter the you know the the the, the profession, and, and they want to do the right thing, and then things happen, and you have to do it the way you're you're supposed to do it. So that. feeling of raw you know uh there's just that all these ceilings of like you know well this is what it's like and uh even if you're and he's very idealistic and but he just wants to do the right thing he just wants to police and you know and in the end it's just it's not a happy ending so i guess it's kind of like neo-noir but they give him a gold shield but he doesn't want it because it's kind of you know not the way he wanted to get it so
1: yeah uh,
0: I, i i think you know there's a very kind of uh It's it's kind of like a Jesus ending without the resurrection. You know, he's just put up on the cross.
2: Oh yeah, they put him on the cross. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but uh, there's no three days. Uh, you know, he's not coming back resurrected after three days or whatever. Although, you know, I guess the sense of the movie being made and his his life being you know, uh, iconicized in that sense, and certainly the impact of the movie in the whole genre of cop movies. You know, we see probably, in my opinion, one of the strongest influences that that movie had and really deconstructing police is the wire, you know, seeing that TV series. Though I don't know if you've seen that, that TV series, but that TV series probably took the the ideas of Serpico and really kind of built it into this, you know, long view of of the Baltimore police department and all these different aspects of it. And, And it, you know, and it wasn't just a corruption based experience, but just taking the layers and peeling them off to get to the real sense of what that police force was like you know very much we see that time and time again the bad lieutenant Copland, you know there were so many movies that were definitely probably influenced by the strength of serpico and its and its reality based uh um belief system of how the, the new york city police
1: yeah did. and it's like it's not
2: just about specifically the new york police the the, the, the films of this era were very much about Trying to convey a real experience so at the same time Martin Scorsese one of his first great films Mean Streets which is about you know local small-time hoods but it's got De Niro in it and, and Harvey Keitel and then you know three years later he made Taxi Driver and in Scorsese really he, his filmmaking is very much similar to this film in yeah. terms of just conveying the feeling of what it's like you know to be in this situation and just to make it raw and you know get his actors in the, in the right in the right moment and, and shooting on location and uh, us feeling really uncomfortable and, and trying to find the truth or whatever we're looking for. Yeah, you know,
0: I think it, it holds up very well. It's a good movie. I enjoyed watching it again. And uh, I felt, you know, like I, I could easily recommend this to, to anybody to enjoy, especially if you're a Pacino fan, because early Pacino, it's, you know, th- there's not it's, there's, it's very few times you can say, well, that's a, that's a bad experience watching Pacino in his prime. You know, I mean, yeah. he's, he just carries the film. But I mean, there was also a lot of really strong supporting roles, even though most of them were unknown, uh, especially amongst the cops and, uh, um, uh, and some of the, the people that he tries to build alliances with. I thought they were all, it was a, it was, it was a good um, blend of the cast to support Pacino, but, but he was definitely, you know, by far, the you know the moving that vehicle so uh, choice i enjoyed it and uh i think i definitely would you know recommend this to people who want to get a real sense of what this you know that 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 time in new york was like when i was not it, nothing like it is now i mean now it's like a disneyland of cities kind of in a way i mean besides this pandemic but so let's move on to our next movie um Enter the Dragon, a very different movie, a very different style, a very different message. You know, uh, Enter the Dragon was um, a film that kind of kind of grew out of Bruce Lee's frustration with uh, trying to to build a movie career in the United States and not being taken seriously. And this whole idea of martial arts and and all of this, uh, you know. Not being a driving force in what he thought could be a very good uh, type of film, and so, you know, he he ended up uh, getting recruited to come out to Hong Kong, where this was a very established genre—the whole martial arts action—and and he and he, uh, you know, signed on to a project called Enter the Dragon, and this project was by far, uh, you know, at this point he was very established, uh, and he he'd done some other martial arts movies, but Enter the Dragon was going to be this vehicle that they thought could cross over and become something in the United States. And so um, it was a film that uh, was extremely tightly budgeted. And, uh, you know, as you watch the film, you can, you know, one of the things that I would say about this film is you have to embrace the cheese. You know, this is a film where you really you have to understand that, yeah, you, you're, you know, you're coming into this, this world where, yeah, you know, they cut the corners and there are some differences in how they do things, but, you know, and there's definitely, you know, if you, the authentic nature of the vocalization of the actors is definitely, uh, you know, very much something that they did in post-production. So, you know, you, you get this kind of, Cheesy dub, and, and the ironic thing is, a lot of times they're speaking English, and they're still dubbing the English on top of the English, you know, because they didn't have good microphones, it wasn't clear, and so there was just a huge amount of ADR happening um, in this in this film, I think. So, but in general, when you when you watch this film and you see Bruce Springsteen, uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, uh, no, yeah. Bruce, yeah, he's the boss, Bruce Lee. Um, When you get Bruce Lee going in this thing, I mean, you do you do get that energy that he has. I mean, you just you get the sense that when the when the when the scenes are built around him, you know, he's got this 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 wiry intensity that just comes out in the in in the moments of those scenes that he's in, and he doesn't let that go at all. There is not any point in this movie where he is unwound at all, he's wound up the whole time. And in every, every part of this film is like his body. It's just like no fat, just, you know, wiry power. And that's kind of how they, they tied his energy into the whole way the film was kind of uh, pushed forward. And, and the parts where he's not in the scenes there, then it gets a little kind of American 70, you know, uh, exploitation whatever you know all these different other themes that they put into the film but when when you know Bruce Lee's in those those scenes that you get a different energy so it's it's very interesting how you know they definitely built a film that was designed to be watched in two different markets you know there was definitely the asian market and then they also kind of built this american market and and it's and it's probably when you look at that that's probably the first globalization of thinking that way in, the, in in that market type. You know, we saw it a little bit with the Westerns, the spaghetti Westerns w- with uh, Eastwood, but that that was more of just a cheap way of, of making Westerns more than it was trying to get a global market. And I think this was really designed to be a two market movie. And it's kind of the, it, and it was very successful. I mean, it, they made a lot of money and unfortunately Bruce Lee died before this really, became something he died shortly after the 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 movie was filmed because i um he was having some uh issues with uh um with some kind of cerebral hemorrhage type of thing that he ended up dying from but it it wasn't a a, i mean he'd had a couple of attacks of whatever it was and and he was trying to deal with it with you know pain medication and they think maybe it was actually some of the 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 medications he was taking it might have been a side effect that he got these uh these bleeding brain, these aneurysm type symptoms, and, and it might have killed them. But overall, it's a it's an interesting movie, and and you know I'd like to hear what you think about it, Don.
2: Yeah, well, I agree uh, with what we're saying about it. you know. See, clearly, this is a, a genre that was uh, you know made um, uh, very popular in Asian culture, and this is a real attempt to connect you know to a market. It was there was real marketing uh, efforts there. So when you cast you know, uh, this white guy that works with him. Um, I forget his name. John Saxon. Yeah, the guy that plays Roper. And then you have this guy, John Williams. We have a black guy. And so at the time, there's also a black. Ken Ken Williams. Is it Ken Williams? Is it John John Williams? I don't know. I'm not sure. And so he, at the time, also, there's these these black exploitation films happening, like Shaft, et cetera, they're coming up. And so they're like figuring out, okay, so how do we, like, as you say, like a 70s style kind of uh, film, you know, uh, in, that's popular in America and you have to have a white guy in there. And they, they did the exact same thing in, a, in, in the Japanese film, uh, Godzilla, Gohira. They actually, you know, when they made Godzilla like 15 years before, it was a Japanese film, but they, when they did an American version, they put a whole bunch of white people in and they cut yeah. them into the scenes. This is not that, but it's the idea. And, and, and everyone, when you see Gohira now, it's, they've taken all that stuff out and they've gone back to the original Japanese version. But this is an understanding of like let's capitalize on a market and um, and make it accessible not just to the audience that's traditionally likes at the Asian market but bring it into uh, the states. Um, You know the thing is is like you have to really you know this and the thing about this film and Bruce Lee films is boy do they have an influence of filmmaking today like you know Tarantino um, just worships these these films and 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 he 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 has so many odes and references to how these films are made. And, you know, so one of the challenges I have in watching these films is the sounds of the, of the hitting of the, you know, when the, when the kung fu scenes, the, the slapping and the kicking. I mean, clearly it's artificial and, you know, but people that, that understand and like the genre, that's an accepted part of the genre. When I'm watching it, I'm like, what's going on? This is like, it's like a cartoon scene, but that's, that's the accepted, that's um, accepted in the, in the genre.
0: You know, and, and, and it wasn't like Americans weren't used to that, because if you'd watched Batman, the, you know, the cool. television show, they totally took all of that and they put it into, you know, the, the same kind of uh, live action graphic novel kind of thing that they did with comic books. And, you know, the Enter the Dragon was kind of filmed like a like a graphic novel. I mean, it had that kind of so you know, framed set kind of graphic novel influence, totally. you know,
1: like and, the evil guy that, that, that is on an island that's, you know, you
2: know, controlled by this army of Kung Fu fighters. I mean, that's totally comic book. It's not. Oh,
0: oh, totally. Absolutely. And, and even some of the, like the, the, the the room of mirrors scene, very,
2: that
0: that framed graphic novel kind of, and, and just the way that they even cut this, this, within the edits of, of the different scenes, it was, you know, you, you just totally got that sense that this was, uh, very much uh, connected to that kind of uh, graphic novel influence, and you know, I liked. I, I you know, I'd seen the film many times, and you know, it's just it's a fun film, but there's no there's no depth to it really. I mean, it, it has it, it. There's nothing in there. There's nothing there that you would say, "Wow, look the the, the, the undertones or the the subtext of the." You know, it's just it's just kind of it's it's a film that's just like you know is a vehicle to drive Bruce Lee into stardom and, uh, and enter kind of the martial arts genre into the U S and, you know, we're going to put some pretty sexy women in there. We're going to put the black, his name was Jim Kelly, the the black, black actor. He played Williams and they, you know, they wanted the black exploitation, you know, kind of vibe. And then they had, you know, the sexy leading man type James Bond, American John Saxon guy. And then they had an the idiot Kiwi who dies quickly. And then they had the really tough bad guy, Bolo.
2: The, Bolo. You know, Bolo's great. And he
0: really, you know, and then even um, uh, Jackie Chan was in this movie. And in fact, uh, Jackie Chan, uh, there's a story where Jackie Chan was in the stick fighting scene with um, Bruce Lee. And uh, Bruce Lee smacked him in the face with the stick and, and you know, injured him. And there were a million injuries in this movie. I mean, Bruce Lee was injured constantly. And a lot of the extras actually challenged him to fight all the time for real because they were like, yeah, you're just, you're nothing, you know. And so he was constantly harassed in this. But Jackie Chan actually got injured. And Bruce Lee told him, because I injured you, I will put you in every film that I ever make after this. And, of course, you know, he dies, but... (laughs) <laughs> uh, but Jackie Chan still it works out well for Jackie Chan because he becomes a superstar of martial arts.
1: Well, and and, you know. and also I talk, talk about
2: influence. I mean, my God, Jackie Chan and and, 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 and original stunts. This is there's not a lot of there's no cutaways in a lot of these fight sequences. People are fighting and the injuries are happening, and the actors are doing the stunts on their own. And that's where Jackie, I guess, where Jackie Chan got a lot of inspiration was doing, sure. you know, doing it originally. And, and I mean, he was you know he took it to another level with his stunts. But he also figured out how to, you know, not just be in the Asian market, to do crossover. And, you know, he always had a, a you know, in, in many of his films, he has an American co-star. Right. And, and so, it, and, and there, you know, there's all the cultural conflicts and and he he understood this. It was kind of a jumping off point. Um,
0: and and he, he took did. it, he took it to a different level because the, the, totally. thing,
2: the difference between Jackie
0: Chan and Bruce Lee was Bruce Lee never made fun of himself, never had a comedic side to no, it and no Jackie comedic. Chan, based his whole persona on having this blended martial arts comic kind yeah. of level to it that, uh, you know, Bruce Lee never got the opportunity to, to do yeah. really. And, you know, he was by, you know, there was not a humorous moment in the entire movie in, in regards to how Bruce Lee kind of, you know, functioned on scene. Um, I'm sure there could have been, but you know, that it just didn't really. Yeah.
2: Happen. It definitely makes you wonder what, I mean, Bruce Lee was 32 when he died and it really makes you wonder what he would have done in his career. And it's, you know, talk about tragedies and this death is, it's just, it's so odd because he had some sort of, as you said, brain disorder and someone gave him a medication that they shouldn't have given him. And it, it seems like he died of this medication and it's just such an odd scenario I mean it's it's so tragic that it, it, this guy should have made another 10 15 films and he oh absolutely I mean, never who, had the opportunity I mean, to explore it was, it. A, it was a, a terrible situation
0: but overall you know it's a fun movie to watch uh, you know the 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 amount of extras involved are ridiculous. I mean, they had just armies, of, and a lot of them were, were actually triad Hong Kong gang members that actually would fight for real. After the scene was done, they would they would have these pretend fights, and then it would become a real fight because they were basically gang members. And Bruce, you know, Bruce Lee actually came; he actually had to leave Hong Kong because of his uh, constant fighting. On, on the streets was one of the reasons that he ended up leaving his family you know his family was his father was a very well established performer and um and so they they took him out because he had beat up some gang members uh you know major gang members uh son and so they were going to kill him and so they you know the police came and said you got to leave and so he they moved to seattle and relocated and that's kind of where bruce lee went to high school and college was you know Uh, And that was one of the reasons was because he was, you know, he he kind of thought of himself as a little tough guy in in Hong Kong, you know, on the streets of Hong Kong. So it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting tale based on a little bit of reality. And, you know, he definitely would have been something you know, it would have carried him, this movie would have carried him into superstardom if he had survived. And it's a tragedy. But overall, I like the movie and I would definitely, you know, if you just want to enjoy a fun kind of early influencing movie on, on martial arts, Enter the Dragons, it, I mean, that's the movie to watch. So, um, so many others. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of depth in the choices of movies that we make, but this one was just kind of more of a fun, engaging martial arts theme movie. And if you don't like martial arts, don't see this movie. Definitely but if you don't. Yeah, but if you you know if you enjoy if you want to see the impact of bruce lee had in his short career this is the movie to watch overall i thought we had we picked some some good movies we had some good discussions and i think next time we're looking at 1974 getting up there yeah we're getting close we're getting close so thanks again for listening or watching around the corner and we'll see you next time